Catalyst Connected is a podcast hosted by me, Sheridan Sims, top producing realtor and co-owner of the Catalyst Group. This show will allow us to do what we do best, connect people with people by introducing you to a variety of trusted professionals throughout Central Kentucky that could benefit needs you may have as life happens. These episodes will be released every Thursday. If you have any suggestions on someone we should be connected with, feel free to email those to info at catalystsold.com. All right. Welcome back to another episode of Catalyst Connected, and I've got my friend Mike Rumpke here from Alpha Radon. Mike, uh, tell the folks either watching or listening who you are, who you're with, all the fun stuff. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Sheridan. I'm excited to be on the show. I'm Michael Rumpke with Alpha Radon Remediation, and we we specialize in radon mitigation for residential and commercial properties. Uh, We also do testing if you need, or if you need it, and... um, yeah, we strive to be the best at what we do. Well, I certainly can attest you guys are fantastic at what you do. Uh, I'm a I'm a direct uh, end consumer. I've actually got one of your systems in my house that I sleep in. Yes, so sir. That's uh, that's my that's my uh, my testimony. But we'll get into some of the some of the the finer tuned details a little bit later. So let's start with uh, some basics. What is radon? So radon has actually been around as long as time. Okay. Uh, they, they figured it out, or, or the, I guess they started to have proof in the late 80s. Uh, the EPA uh, has dug in much deeper now, but radon is a decay product of uranium. So uranium has been in the earth for as long as we've known. Uh, and as that decays, it turns into radium, and then radium decays into radon. So, so radon is a radioactive gas uh, and basically it is the the decay particles that come off of radon which are called alpha particles which is where we get our name fantastic i wish it was because we we were the best you're the alpha yeah. <laughs> uh, but it works both ways it, it can uh, and it puts us at the front of the alphabet when you're looking for us but um, it's the alpha particles that can actually uh, radiate and damage your lungs so i see um but the the epa did not have enough data in the late 80s and that's why you see a lot of these uh, much older systems on homes was was the early bandwagon jumpers but they did a data dump about four or five years ago and had finally proved and linked it to lung cancer so interesting so had it been something we knew about i mean i can i you know just thinking about it from a real estate's perspective we have a form to fill out for you know lead-based paint right it's its own separate addendum there has to be acknowledgement they've got to have seen the lead-based paint brochure and to your point it was only probably once they could link lead-based paint to health concerns that it became more prevalent um, I've noticed just in the almost eight years that I've been in the real estate side of things, radon has become much more prevalent uh, amongst the inspections or the due diligence period, but also from a mitigation aspect. Now, um, do you think there's any type of change in the way we've constructed our homes that it's like more radons being emitted or maybe it's more prevalent because the way we're building homes, like why, why all of a sudden, I mean, obviously EPA gets involved, that changes things. Uh, people get sick, that changes things. But like, I don't, I, I mean, maybe the research or the data is not there. I don't recall like my grandparents genre of friends and folks ever even mentioning that. Sure. So, uh, the, 
I guess we'll give you the long answer since, since we're on We're podcast. here. That's yeah. why we're here. <laughs> so uh, in answer to your question, yes. So so these newer build homes are much different than a house built in 1900. And, and you can tell, and I'm sure as, as a real estate professional, you can tell like a lot of older homes can tend to be more drafty. So that's because there's a lot more gaps and and cracks and all that kind of stuff that lets in air from the outside. So with newer built homes, the and even by code, they're so much more tightly built. They're mm-hmm. so airtight that the house actually creates its own stack effect. And what stack effect is, is and that's why you have roof vents. So it's going to pull air from under, even if you're on slab on grade, it's going to pull air from beneath your slab, pull it all the way up through your house, and then go out those vents in your roof. So your, your house is, uh, I guess, in essence, breathing. And every time it inhales, it's pulling that gas up through your slab. So the tighter the house is not necessarily always a good thing for radon. That's, I mean, that makes complete sense. And that seems like that's been the MO for folks is make it as tight as possible, right? And then enter in like closed cell spray foam insulation and, you know, framing it super tight and all the way down to house wrap and, you know, everything that comes with it to your point, you know, tighter with respect to the draftiness may not always be better, right? right. Um, that's interesting. Now, that's not to say that older homes can't still be affected by right. higher levels of radon, right? But just namely, just in, in, in general, right, the ability for those houses to breathe um, is certainly more problematic, it sounds like, or at least heightens the uh, probability of having some presence of it. It does. Okay. Now, um, you mentioned slab on grade. Uh, now, we've got different types of foundations, but also different construction styles, is there one particular style of home that may be uh, more susceptible to having a higher level of radon in it? There is. Uh, so the one we get most commonly is basements. So anytime that you are going subgrade uh, or or even disturbing soil to to build a basement, you have much higher probability of, of having radon in the home if, if you're in a tier one area. So central Kentucky is a tier one area for radon, and that means that the majority of homes <clears throat> are going to test at four picocuries per liter or higher. So, but yeah, basements, basements tend to be the one that we get the most calls about. Well, that makes sense because like you said, subterranean, it's coming from the decaying particles in the earth. So it would make sense the further I go down into said earth, the higher my likelihood is. Exactly. So in a basement, most of the time we're going to have a porch slab over some kind of dense grade gravel, obviously built to whatever builder specifications they're going to choose. Now, is that the same for, say, crawl spaces, like taller crawls or even more shallow crawls? Are they going to be more susceptible because we are kind of down, but also there's not necessarily like a slab poured to maybe block off the 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 difference between above grade and or the new above grade we've created and subgrade? Um, so yeah, crawl spaces are, are our second highest call. Okay. Um, not as many homes on crawl spaces, so probably that's why we don't get as many crawl space calls. But, uh, you know, in that situation, just like you said, there's nothing covering, you know, sometimes you'll have a vapor barrier, sometimes that's not enough, but you, there's nothing covering the earth right there. So anything that's under your house is going to come up through Coming straight up into the house. Now, that's interesting. So 
are and and this is more from the newer construction side of things are you seeing more builders going ahead and putting a passive pipe in the home to in the event it does pop because you said like you said we're in a tier one area are you going ahead and seeing them put passive radon pipes in so it's a lot easier to install a mitigation system too um so so yes so we're we're trying to get with a lot more builders to to start doing this because it's not required yet and if it's not required obviously a lot of, a lot of people aren't don't want to have to spend yeah. the extra money on a right extra pipe and we're trying to convince a lot of the builders to do it because it, it really is not that much more money and oh, you're good hey somebody needs somebody needs radon help <laughs> yeah, everybody, I guess. Um, so they they are doing it, and there's there's a couple companies, and I'll give a shout-out. So um, Kohler Warner actually has us do the passive systems in, in a lot of their properties, or at least they put the option in uh, for, for their clients to build new with the passive system. And if it comes back high, then all we're doing is adding a fan. Um, and then also uh, Jimmy Nash will, will have us do the same thing. So, um, and also I know ball homes will do that on a lot of their homes. So they are doing it and those are, they're slam dunks every time as far as if they come back high, cause all we got to do is come back out and slap on a fan for 500 bucks. So, so very, very important because the, the, the house that I live in, we had that passive pipe. Now for the folks who may not be as familiar with the construction, you know, style or, or the, uh, the radon just in general, what about that installation makes it so easy for you to tap into? Like talk me through how that pipe is put in, where it goes to, and then what you have to do to then come in and make it whole, if you will. Sure. So, uh, if, if it's done correctly, <clears throat> That's always a key point, <laughs> right? right? <laughs> yeah, and I, we we've seen even these passive systems where where the builder will make a valiant attempt, but it's just it's not quite right. Um, so we end up having to make adjustments. But if it's done correctly, the the pipe is actually touching gravel. So um, it's touching gravel underneath the slab of of whatever the poured foundation is, whether it's a basement or a slab on grade. And it will pipe up through your house so you don't see any of the pipe. It goes through the walls. It goes all the way through the roof. And it's already venting out through through the roof. Um, so what makes it easy for us is we can actually, if the test comes back high, if, if you have a test done, all we have to do is come into the attic, cut out a 12-inch section of that pipe, and then attach one of our fans to to that missing gap, and then um, have it wired to um, to electric. So um, they all they all are hardwired, so they run continuously, and you want them to run conti- continuously because what we're trying to do is create negative pressure beneath the slab, so you're basically con- constantly pumping out the radon. Makes sense, um, but if if it's done incorrectly, like we've had builders that will put the pipe in before they pour the gravel, so in essence you're touching mud. Okay. And if it's touching mud, we can't really pull through that. Um, we can, but it on a new build, gravel is our friend. So gravel gives us airways to pull the gas through. But if if they put it too low, it can be a problem, and we can't see it at that point unless you know. If, the, if, if a post test comes back high, like after we've installed a system, 
then we know something was done wrong with with that passive system. So we end up having to cut the pipe apart and look at what the sub slab is and potentially core a new hole. Luckily, we didn't have to do that on your home because you had a good builder. <laughs> uh, but it's uh, it's always nice um, we, when we hear they have a passive system. It's nice for the client because they don't have to pay you know over a thousand dollars to have a, a whole system put in. Well, and that's that. I think that's the key thing, right? If you're like, there's so many things that having built a home myself and also having helped a lot of clients build a home. Uh, or build homes before there's certain things that you wish you'd have known prior to so uh, we'll take that as a chance to give a PSA for anybody out there listening if you are building a home ask your builder if there will be a passive radon pipe installed in the event that you do have radon it'll save you a good amount of money on the install I can attest to that because just like Mike said we, we had a pipe in all he had to do was pop in and start fanning it out yep. right and and if your builder is not aware of it uh you can have them look up what's called rrnc which is radon resistant new construction and they have every code that a builder would need uh, to put in that pipe rrnc so anybody that's listening that's in the building world that may have some uh, reservations that's a perfect resource fantastic so talk me through so obviously we're talking kind of uh, proactive, right? Um, obviously, with the with in the spirit of of you know thinking about the applications that you get called in on, a lot of the times it's reactive mm-hmm. because they've had an in- inspection and or they've get they've earned the option to inspect uh, for radon via how they've negotiated their offer with between buyer and seller. Um, that's where I typically see the most application. But talk me through the inspection process. Like, how do you all inspect for radon? And it doesn't have to be in the middle of a, I'll say that too, it doesn't have to be in the middle of a real estate transaction. Sure. I just, looking through my realtor lenses that I stay stuck in all day, uh, that's where I typically see it used the most. But talk us through the inspection side of, of radon. Sure. So so the inspection side is easy. Uh, so we use uh, what's called a continuous radon monitor or a CRM monitor. So... Uh, it is a 48-hour test, and basically what it's doing, again, is measuring the alpha particles that are in the air, and uh, it will ping every hour, so it'll take an hourly reading, and then it'll take the 48-hour average, which is what the EPA is concerned about. So if your 48-hour average is at 4 picocuries per liter, which is the measurement for radon, or higher, then it is a recommendation to mitigate. So it's it's still not mandated. It's just a an FYI, uh, basically at this point for for any any consumer, uh, and at you know at that point they have lots of questions for us because there's still a lot of people that do not know anything or the first thing about radon. I think the times that I see the most pushback is when somebody's been in the house for a long time. They're not sick. There's a high reading and. The buyer request mitigation. Sure. Do you think? Do you think that's kind of from your conversations with other realtors or consumers? Is that generally the biggest it kind is. of pushback area? It is. And and what I tell everybody, because we do not operate off of fear. I've learned how well that worked during the pandemic and during the election, and I know that it doesn't work. And I don't like fear mongering. So so what I tell everybody is. I know people that have smoked their entire life, including my great grandfather, uh, and they die 
at a late age. My great-grandfather died at 93, smoked since he was 15, dies of natural causes. So I also know people that smoke in their 30s and get lung cancer in their 40s. So what I what what my predisposition is on, on radon as a whole is that you know, we're all predisposed to either be susceptible to a certain thing giving us cancer or not. Uh, and, you know, kind of the, the proof is in the pudding for, for what for what we do. And, and I've seen it now th- three, four times where we've actually had clients that are either at stage three, stage two, stage four lung cancer, never smoked a day in their life. And they also had lived in that home for like 30 years and they had very high, like very high levels of radon. Uh, one of them played baseball for UK, uh, older gentleman and his doctor. So he had stage three lung cancer and his doctor asked him a laundry list of questions, still couldn't figure out how he got cancer or, or lung cancer. And they had him test his house for radon and it came back at a 32 picocuries per liter. Wow. So... The doctor was like, uh, "That's that's the only thing that I can think of that could have given it to you," um, and it and it's happened multiple times now. Um, so I do know that it can give you lung cancer, but at the same time, I can't I can't tell you that it will give you lung cancer. Sure, kind of like the one thousand and one things that California has on a list of potential causes of lung cancer, and they have the labels and stuff like that. Um, falls under the same category, but yeah. It's, that's great for the people that have lived in their homes for 30 years, but that doesn't mean that the next homeowner might not be susceptible to it. And the cost is, relatively speaking, right, when you're talking about, you know, that's what a question I always love is, you know, when somebody wants to maybe beat you up on your price, if you went to the doctor and you'd gotten that diagnosis and they said there's a way to fix it, you would not ask how much it costs. That's right. You'd say let's fix it, right? And on the same on the same sentiment, it's relatively not that expensive to mitigate. It's not. I it's mean, and, and given the safety that it can create. Yeah, and it's 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 one of those things where it's like, well, why not? In my in my mind, it's like, well, why not take care of it? I wouldn't want to be the guinea pig. To me, just knowing that, that like this is me, you know, let's put my tinfoil hat on for a second. But it's it's my general opinion that once the EPA or once the government gets in, in a government body of any type gets involved in something, you should probably start paying more attention to it. So the fact that the EPA has kind of shined its light on the seriousness or the severity of radon tells me, as a homeowner, A, obviously health health considerations, number one. But number two, if I'm going to have to sell that home in the future, it's either A, likely that it's going to be mandatory that I've had it tested and I know it, or it could be mandatory if the new buyer tests that I do mitigate and taking those two things into consideration, that to me makes the property more marketable if it is safe from radon um, penetration or, or, or high levels, if you will. I mean, is that is that a, is that a fair way to look at the, it is. the the future? And it is. So that's a question that we get a lot is if I put this system on my house and it, these are I'm, I'm speaking to situations where they it's not part of a real estate transaction. Uh, we will get clients ask us if I put this on my house, is it going to hurt resale value? And the answer is absolutely no. Sure. Because if you go ahead and put that on your house, you're giving the next buyer the peace of mind that it's already been mitigated. And would I recommend you 
retesting like if you're a new buyer or or if you're an agent going into a house you know it has a system already installed it doesn't mean that it's technically right <laughs> i see there, there's a so lot you of, guys have done some uh retrofits and some have. corrections then it sounds like we have and there's unfortunately in my field not everybody wants to be a scientist there's uh there's a lot of um we'll just call them contractors that really don't understand the science behind what's needed to mitigate a property and they'll stick a pipe in the ground in the corner put a fan on then not not even looking at what the fan speeds are or or you know the the resistance capability of the fan and they'll tell the client it works without a post test and the client is like well cool i got a radon mitigation system and then they'll go to sell that house to you know two three years later and it'll test higher than it did the original time because the system's not working. So and they're going to end up paying for it twice. Yeah. So if you're an agent and you see a system, unless it's ours, <laughs> the test and make, I mean, even if it's ours, the EPA would still recommend that you retest because you're dealing with the radioactive decaying matter. So, and we recommend that to our clients as well. Um, you know, every two years, get another test just to make sure. And, and with us, you get that guarantee that we're going to make adjustments if, if something has changed. So now I'm a little bit of a nerd in this aspect, but I have done some research looking at just different testing things that, uh, you may have your accessibility to. So you have the CRM tests that are just constantly monitoring. Uh, in in addition to that, I've seen some, I'll call them like consumer testing kits. Mm-hmm. Um, not only something that would be like a one-off or just an ad hoc test, but I've also seen things that you can almost like plug in that are constantly monitoring. Do you have any thoughts or feelings around the different types of those? So if somebody's like, I'm not sure... Maybe I'm not ready to call Alpha or even after they have or any of that. Do you have any suggestions or thoughts or considerations about those different types of tests? Sure. So there are basically three different types. So there are um, two of them are consumer. So they're not actually they're not regulated by the EPA. The EPA likes them, but they're not regulated by the EPA like like our monitors are. But the they have charcoal tests that you can buy at Lowe's, Home Depot. Uh, they're about they range from like fifteen to fifty dollars, and I wouldn't say that price really plays a difference in those. The only reason I don't love those, they work. The only reason I don't love those is so I'm gonna get nerdy too. So the the science side of it, radon has a half life of three and a half days. So you sit one of these charcoal or activated charcoal canisters out. Again, it's collecting alpha particles, and it's looking more at concentration of the alpha particles. So what happens is you sit it out for 48 hours, you mail it in. By the time it gets to the lab and they get a chance to analyze it, it may be three and a half days, and you might have lost half the sample. So, you know, if you have very elevated levels of radon, uh, they can be good to tell you you have some, some type of problem, but if it comes back low, so like if it came back at like a 3.8 or a 3.9, pretty close. I would probably go get a, a stronger test done Interesting. just okay. to make sure because, again, you know, there there is a lot of, of uh, variability in, in those tests. And then on the other side, like you were saying, uh, there, there are a lot more consumer 
uh, CRM monitors out there now. Again, not regulated by the EPA, but there are some really good ones out there. So I'm a big fan of AirThings. So AirThing, AirThings monitors will actually do the same things as our CRM monitors, and they are self-calibrating, and they are actually very close. Like we've done side-by-side -side tests with those monitors that our, that our clients have had and they're very close to the test that we have. So they will actually show you the spikes uh, in, in okay. radon levels. And you can do 48-hour, you can do week-long averages, you can do month-long, and they're just consistently monitoring. And we actually recommend those to our clients that have our systems installed because that's like a secondary alarm. If for some reason, you know, you're sitting pretty after we install the system and a year later you just see this massive spike and it'll actually alert you to your phone on some of those air things models uh, that that your your radon is spiking so that basically tells them that there's something wrong with the system something's changed yeah. something's to look at now we've had our fair share of dry spells and then we've also had our fair share of some wet spells as of late just given the weather does weather affect radon I know you know it does, and that's why you asked the question. <laughs> um, so, yeah, again, from, from a science standpoint, um, any type of barometric pressure, so any type of force exerted um, by, by cold fronts on the ground is going to push whatever gas is underneath that up through your house. Because if every, if every square inch of ground outside your house is having pressure exerted on it, it's going to have nowhere else to go but up through your house. Um, so, so yeah, rain fronts, cold fronts, wind fronts, um, snow fronts, you will see a spike. Um, unfortunately, those tests, so like if it's for a real estate transaction, that test is still valid, even though you and I both know that the, the weather could have, could have played well, a so, role in so, that. So let's look at both sides of that, right? Like to make a case for active monitoring after you know this is this is a science based uh mitigation when when you're the operator at least it is and science is never sleeping either right, right. like neither is the alpha particles neither is the radon so you know i can make a case for Yes, you might have mitigated down just below, but that might not mean that we may need to tweak or look at it, especially if somebody's hypersensitive to it or sure. has more of a, you know, more of a, a, a probability or a likelihood that they either have been sick or could be sick, or if they're more sensitive to certain things, it might not be the worst idea to have sure. a constant running of that. So I think that's good for anybody that's considering, like, should I do this? Because I'd say of my transactions, it's probably 50-50, whether or not, and I'm the same way you are. Like, uh, I know realtors try to avoid the dreaded S word, right? The steer word towards <laughs> making anybody make any decisions or help them make any decisions. But I think the more that we can provide resources of things for them to look at or read or consider, they can make that judgment call based on their comfortability level with it. But I'd say it's probably 50-50 right now on, on my buyer side transactions and also on the listings that will list and sell that their buyer uh, or the buyer for that listing will, will test. Um, so I think it is good to, if you're, you know, if you're, if you're not sold on the idea of testing it up front, um, maybe running that passive, you know, not passive test, but just a more, uh, informal test on your own just to keep up with that. Or 
if you have mitigated, knowing that it's a living, breathing experience, it might not be the worst thing to have that run. And then it sounds like sure. to just further monitor. Cause like right now, uh, obviously we're recording this here kind of like mid December, but it's been freaking raining nonstop for like the, the last two weeks. It seems like I'd imagine some of your tests lately have been a little higher. They have. And, and we always try to look at that too. And, and we always kind of recommend that to clients as well. So again, uh, like if we did a test for a client and it comes back at a 3.8, you know, we'll send them the test, tell them it came back low, but we, if, if they come back to us with questions, because, again, we're not trying to scare them into submission. So if they come back to us with questions about it, we always recommend that they retest in the winter because odds are that when you get the weather that we've been getting here lately, um, that they're going to skew a few points higher in the winter. So um, if, you know, at, at that point, it's, it's up to them to make the decision because it's like, well, do I live in this house for half the year with radon half the year without it yeah. <laughs> or, 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 you know, l- with lower levels, Do I smoke half the cigarette yeah. or all the cigarette. <laughs> right. 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 So, uh, you know, it is, it, it, it is a living, breathing beast. So, you know, you do have to kind of understand that science as well. And, and if you, and if you have those, those, pa- or you, you got me saying passive now. So if you have, if you have one of those consumer, um, CRM monitors in your home, we have to have those conversations with clients as well, because they could be sitting at a 2.7 for you know literally 90 percent of the year and then there might be one weekend where it pops up over four for 48 hours because we just have massive you know storm fronts coming through and it'll start to skew up and what we tell them at that point is watch it for a week if it does not go back down by next friday and and you're you know you're not back to the level that we had you at you need to call us because okay. at that point we know that there's something else that that we need to do but uh, you know again it, it it will fluctuate but we don't like to see it fluctuate too much because what we're in essence trying to control is those spikes so awesome and I, I that's that's fantastic insight and and you're right i do know the answers to some of these questions <laughs> so that's why i like to ask them because I know some people don't know the questions maybe to ask regarding some of that. So let's drill down a little bit more within the testing aspect, right? Um, so if 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 I want to contact you all, I, I can have you out, whether it's part of a real estate transaction or not. You can come out and test. It runs for 48 hours. Talk to me about the importance of some of those conditions because I know – from experience that, you know, I, I should prevent, you know, doors and windows being wide open for long periods of time. But walk me through what is what is test conditions for you to get the most accurate reading in your world? So first off, uh, placement of the device is going to be important. So you want to make sure and if, and if you're a realtor, you want to make sure that these tests are set up on the lowest livable level and livable is the keyword. So if you're set, if, if the home inspector has set a test up in a basement, that's actually a cellar or like has a dirt floor or it's like a five foot ceiling, that's not a livable level. You're not putting a bed down there. And if you are, you're like a cruel parent or something. <laughs> uh, or it's a campus rental. Yeah, yeah, right. So so lowest livable level is the first key. Um, so like no crawl, don't put, make sure that these tests are not set up in a crawl space, you know, anything like that. And then beyond that, 
um, you want it, you want it to be set up in somewhat of a central location okay. in the property if possible, and um, don't make sure you're not blaring the heat. You know, make sure you're not blaring the AC. Like you know, beyond normal levels, but beyond again, like a normal level. How you be level, living how in you there? Be living in the house, and then like you said, so so the rule is brief entry or exit. So you want the whole house closed up, and brief entry and exit means like don't leave your door open um you know not like springtime conditions where you'd open up all the windows and you don't care if your back door is open kind of stuff so um if you're going to open the door to go outside close it right behind you and and it's still going to give you a valid test so lowest living lowest livable area central location and don't just swing your doors and windows as normal but don't leave them open for extended periods of time correct so The reason I recap that, I think it's important for agents listening at home. To your point, not everybody follows the same protocols when setting their tests. So if you're a listing agent or if you're a seller and you notice, because I've had this personal experience on a listing one time where the test was like way off to the side and it was on the main floor versus being in the basement, like in in, in the particular um the particular inspector wasn't like a national or a registered um, with with respect to radon. Sure, it was just an add-on to what they could offer, I guess, within the inspection package, if you will. And uh, and and so my client actually had had some uh, experience with radon in the past and sent me a picture of it and was like, this is wrong. <laughs> and I, I think either I may have even texted you just to ask you just because it's, you know, the, the buyer's decision on who they were using in that regard. Uh, but it's in, interesting. So that's something to keep an eye out for as Absolutely. an agent or as a seller, just to make sure it's accurate. Uh, but also as a buyer, right? If, if, um, if that buyer is using you all, they can take confidence in knowing it's going to be set up correctly. Um, so that's, that's very, that's very good insight. So it sets for 48 in the in the conditions that we just outlined you get the report back uh if it's a part of a real estate transaction then negotiations would take place we work on that how long does it typically take to install obviously it's going to be variable right if it's a the, the project where you just completed um it was a probably a longer install than maybe say my house for example where sure. it was already passive pipe in you just popped in and went generally speaking how long do those mitigations, you know, if there's a range even, how long do those typically take to install? So like a normal one suction point system, if there's not a passive system installed, would take roughly four to five hours. Uh, and if it's a crawl space, like like the project that we've completed for you uh, or, or for your clients, it, I mean, it could take, you know, closer to 10 hours, um, especially with with regard to how easy it is to move in the crawl space or or how big it is like how much square foot you're you're a skinny fellow but we don't (laughs) want any belly crawls yeah it it makes it difficult and and if you're an agent you may see that reflected in the price um if if i can't roll over from belly to back in a crawl space it's probably going to be more expensive to mitigate because we have to mechanically fasten all the vapor barrier to the walls so we're carrying concrete nail guns down there um, and then we have to go back and seal and caulk every seam um, just to make sure it's airtight. Well, that's something I was going to hit on with respect to the crawl. So let's make sure we come back to that okay. and kind of that process. Um, so generally speaking, can be anywhere between half day and definite full day, maybe even day and a half in, in, certain, in some applications then. Mm-hmm. So 
on that crawl, right? Like if it's a poured concrete basement or if it's a slab on grade, like that is relatively speaking sealed off with the concrete that's been poured, right? Whether it's on the walls or on the floor or both. Um, When you get into the crawl aspect or cellar or dirt floor basement, any of the sorts, you have to create that encapsulation effect, right? Right. So I'm encapsulating that space and I'm I'm running my mitigation beneath Siri's trying to pick up on what we're doing here. Go to sleep, Siri. I saw her over here reading my, my text back She's to listening. me. Yeah, they always are. Um, so with respect to mitigating in that crawl, talk me through what you have to do and, and maybe things for people if they've, to your point, maybe they've had, a, they've purchased a house that was done by somebody that wasn't you all. Like what type of things should I be looking for in that crawl? Because from an agent side, I, I may be uh, in the in the uh, minority here, but like I'll get in the crawl, I'll get in the attic. Like you're different I, though, Sherry. Yeah, well, I mean, that's just I've had to deal with it. I've had to pay for it. I've had to uh, have clients experience have bad experiences as a result. So uh, it doesn't bother me to get in there. But let's talk about things that if somebody's down in that crawl and they're looking, what are they looking for? Sure. So the the first thing that we're always looking for. So if somebody is telling us that you know, hey. We have a mitigation system installed. We're on a crawl space. We did a test and it's not working. Like the system's not working. So uh, the first thing that we're looking for when we go down in that crawl space is, is it airtight? So a lot of um, our competition, basically they, I, 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 you know, I'm not throwing anybody under the bus, but they will not seal up the crawl space. So they'll throw down a vapor barrier on the ground, run the pipe. So it looks like, uh, you know, it's not uh, sealed, right? The, it'll, it'll look like a good system, but if you go to the edges, it's not mechanically fastened to the walls. Um, if you go to the seams where, where the vapor barrier overlaps, those are not taped and sealed. So, um, that's, that's the big thing that we're looking for. Cause basically what we're trying to do is vacuum seal that space so we can suck everything out from anything that's coming in from underneath the house and pump it out the side of the house or up through the house. So, really the like if you're just going to pop your head in uh if if, if you <clears throat> see that it is not connected to the walls right off the bat you know that that's probably the first thing okay so because it has to be airtight for it to work correctly and if you see seams on the vapor barrier that aren't tight that's another telltale sign yep and if you see tears in the vapor barrier stuff like that anywhere the air can get through just right off the bat that's that's going to be telltale that that there needs to be adjustments made so i really need to be thinking about it like a uh you know uh, a fully encapsulated i think it's important people at home if they're involved in any kind of real estate business know the difference between insulating and encapsulating um because those are not the same thing whatsoever And to truly encapsulate something, you know, there's there's partial encapsulation, which is kind of what we've ran into in some applications, and there's actual encapsulation, which is going to help not only not because this is something I want to kind of bleed into when we're talking about the crawl application, because I think that's probably where it is most uh, mutually beneficial for where I'm about to go. It can also help cut down on the moisture. That's Absolutely. that's penetrating the crawl space as well, right? So I've encapsulated the walls, encapsulated the floor. That's the purpose of a vapor barrier, right? Let the vapor rest against the underbelly of that barrier to prevent it from going up and getting in the insulation or on my floor joist or on my subfloor because we've seen some crawls that are not pretty. Right. 
Um, but additionally, your system's going to be pulling that moisture out, right? That's Can you exactly talk me right. through some of the science of like how that helps that process? I'm sure. I'm giving you the realtor version, <laughs> which is probably the 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 butchered version. Let's yeah. hear it from the expert. That was actually spot on. So we actually get a lot of calls for that, uh, and really, really, it comes down to the fact that we're moving so much air from beneath that vapor barrier that any moisture that is trapped under our vapor barrier is in essence either going to get dried out or sucked out. So um, it, it really does help, you know, if, if you have high humidity in your home and you're on a crawl space, our systems can help bring down that humidity level again, just because we're trapping and removing a lot of that, a lot of that moisture. Uh, and yeah, you, I mean, you really hit it spot on. It's um, it's very advantageous, and it's kind of a double-edged sword. So not only are you getting rid of radon when you do it, you know, you're you're lowering your chances for microbial growth in your crawl space. Um, you know, humidity and and really just you know all around making your house a healthier home. Now, on that same subject of crawls, I know we've spent uh, a good amount of time on crawl space conversation, but with when I've seen a lot of furnaces in the crawl, is that more likely to generate a higher reading than if the furnace was elsewhere, not in the crawl, because it is such a source for pulling air? Or? It can be. Um, it it really. I've never after we're done with our system um, since you know we're separating ourselves from that furnace like you know we, either we're going underneath that furnace mm-hmm. with our vapor barrier um, it it can play a role uh, but usually a lot of those furnaces are piped to the outside okay. so like if they're pulling in fresh air they're pulling it in from the outside um, like like on um, um, what is what's the word for it. Um, High efficiency systems yeah. uh, where they where they pipe the PVC outside, uh, so it really isn't drawing as much as you'd think from the crawl from space. the crawl itself. Yeah, so it's it hasn't. I've never seen it really play a major role. Um, you know, on the other hand, when when you have really high powered systems in basements or even one randomly that we saw, um, the guy had two eighty gallon water heaters with active ventilation which is basically they have the fans running constantly on them um, instead of passive ventilation for for gas water heaters um, he he had a room where he was like more or less actively harvesting radon because that room had such such high negative pressure above the slab okay that it was it's creating pulling. suction from yeah, wow from beneath so um we had to have a long conversation about that and he ultimately um ended up having those water heaters changed from um active ventilation to passive ventilation and it made a huge difference incredible because because we installed a system and it, and it was one of those one percenter situations where you know, we already had two suction points. There was two systems on the property, and it was like, there's something else going on here because um, it the levels were just not dropping. This was a new build too, wow. so it it was one of those things where you have to put your thinking hat on and really pay attention to your surroundings. And it was actually an engineer that that we work with a lot who figured it out. He was like, well. I took I took pressure readings in this room, 
and this room has negative suction above the slab so it's counteracting what we were doing beneath the slab um, it's a battle for the yeah for the airflow battle for airflow yeah exactly so it um yeah you know in our in our profession when when you're talking about creating negative pressure beneath the slab we do have to pay attention to stuff like that like furnaces and that's riveting cocktail party talk by the way yeah that's why it never comes up in conversation (laughs) (laughs) well i love it Uh, it's it's right up my alley just as far as knowing the product that i sell which is real estate i think it only helps me to be a better advocate with my clients as well so i I appreciate the insight no problem and and so uh perfect segue uh whether you chose to or not uh the part that i appreciate the most about your all's company and working with you is the guarantee that you provide can you tell me what that guarantee is or tell us who, who are listening what that is absolutely so our guarantee is that we will get the levels below four pico curious per liter after install so um, what that means to any of your clients is and, and we've we've figured out that it works very well for real estate transactions and won't impede on your closings because you have it in writing that we're going to get it right and and what that guarantee means is you will not pay anything extra or above what was quoted um, if we don't get that level down on the first try because sometimes it's going to happen we, we've tackled some beasts um, the highest level we've ever done is 86 pico curious wow. per liter uh, and sometimes you have to keep going at it um, you have to keep trying different uh, different avenues or, or making adjustments to the systems um, to get those levels down and keep them down and you know we feel like it gives our clients peace of mind that they know you know we're not a fly-by-night company that that we're going to make sure that their health and their home um, is in good standing before we're done with our work um, so you know, every time we make an adjustment, we're going to do another post test and make sure that that we've gotten the levels to where you know we feel comfortable or where we're happy or where our guarantee is. Uh, and then, if for some reason it's high, we're coming back out. Um, so, you know, I, we want our realtors to all know that because, um, uh, in you know, even in in the situation that you and I are in right now with your client, um, and I know that made them feel really happy. Um, uh, it, it, it makes a difference. Well, their their exact words were they appreciated the attention to detail. Um, it wasn't just a, oh, well, we did it and it's close enough, right? I mean, right. when you start talking about health and safety and I mean, close enough, like horseshoes and hand grenades maybe, right? I was but about not, to say the same thing. <laughs> not when we're talking about uh, somebody's well-being. So sure. I can personally speak to that transaction we were referring to. We had a high reading. It was on a crawl. Um, it had a vapor barrier and it did have insulation, but it was the, the crawl space is breathing too much up through it into the house. So you all made your first crack at it. And that was a big part of negotiation. So if I'm putting my realtor cap on for a second, as we were negotiating that, it made it super simple for myself and the listing agent, I'm representing the buyers to work through that because it was like, here's the, here's the charge, right? It's a, it's a bigger job. And He's going to get it until it's to four. I, now, I have not researched a ton of other companies or, you know, other folks. I just happen to know the way you approach it, but also the, the, the sincerity and the genuineness that goes into the deliverable past just the initial, 
give me my money and I'm gone. Uh, that that's what's important to me, uh, and therefore my clients as well. But just knowing that now you've had to come back now twice to to keep tackling this beast. So to use your words, um, that speaks volumes to your company, to your all's character, but also it has made my folks have such a, a peace about them with respect to something that could be potentially harmful. So uh, it, it, I think that's something, that's a huge feather in your cap, I would say, for anybody listening, because that, 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 that has made this transaction move more smoothly as a result of the guarantee and being willing to go at it until it got fixed. And I, I, I mean, that sells itself, right? If somebody can't get behind that, then I don't know what to tell them, that's, right? And that's how we feel too. It's, um, I don't see a lot of companies that, that charge the way that we charge. Um, and, and we've done so many, and I was telling you before, you know, we're well over a thousand installs. We're at a hundred percent mitigation. Um, there's not been one that, that has beat us. Um, knock on wood. I don't know that that's real wood, but close um, enough. <laughs> MDF, MDF. We'll, with a little wood coat maybe. Wood in there. So, um, you know, we know that when these one percenters pop up where we have to go back, you know, that's fine for us to eat the charge. It, it, it keeps our clients as well as our, our real estate agent clients, um, happy. And, and they know that no matter what, we're going to get the job done and we're not going to be like every other contractor where when you run into a problem, I have to charge you more. Oh yeah. I didn't, we didn't know that was going to happen. <laughs> right. We're going to hit you with a change order on this. Exactly. Well, and that's no knock on anybody else. That's just it's how not. you've chosen to run your business. And I think that's a perfect segue to kind of chop into some business conversation, if you're okay with that. Sure. Uh, I've been incredibly fascinated with the growth that you've uh, experienced within your company. Uh, I've, I've been a fan kind of watching it take place as I've gotten to work with you over the years. So talk me through, um, I think that's one of the key I th- for me, right, and this is just my outsider's perspective, I'd say that's probably one of the key factors in that growth is that you're not putting the charge you may, the extra few hundred dollars you could charge to go back out ahead of the relationship you have with me as you, one of your realtor partners um, in order to keep growing that. Would you Do you think that's one of the key elements or components to the growth you all have had is that guarantee and just your, your, your perseverance? I, I, I would like to, to think that it is, um, you know, I think sincerity and integrity in any business is, is going to put you ahead of, of your competition by leaps and bounds, because there's so many people out there that are just trying to go grab money. Mm -hmm. Uh, and well, it's like storm chasing, right? Like it's all of a sudden become more popular. The EPA is talking about it fly-by-nights are going to load up and add a bullet point in their trifold that they can now do raid on, and that's sometimes who you probably get shopped against, we I'd do. say. We do, and and really our, our you know, it, it, it really, I feel like our track record speaks volumes, um, or, or at least we hope it does, just just because we we've done so many and you know so many mitigations and we're at a hundred percent. It's rare in this field we can give assurances. Sure, and and it's you know, it's it's really something that that 
we don't like to boast about, but we hope that we've done enough that our clients can figure that out, or at least we've done enough work with agents that that know our track record um, and and know how easy it is to work with with our organization. Uh, and you know, we just continue to try to educate our agents that this is how we operate, and and it has helped us grow. It has helped us grow, you know, exponentially. Uh, so. You know, if it was all about the money, I probably wouldn't still be doing it because some of these installs are really hard. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I, I can attest to that. Yeah. I've, I've, I've checked on you and the gang uh, at the most recent one. You, and met, you met me in the crawl space. Met you in the crawl space. <laughs> we were rolling around down there trying to make sure we'd gotten everything. No, I love that. And so um, let's, let's back up some. How did you decide, like, I'm going to tackle this right on – uh, opportunity how like what got you it's what got you started what piqued your interest because we met in a completely different capacity we did and it's grown into what this is so talk us through some of that for folks who may not have heard your you know kind of your entry into it sure so I always kind of had a background in construction growing up um, I did a lot of work with my uncle who's a contractor in Ohio and I would spend summers with him and basically learn the ins and outs of contracting through that uh, and then um, way later in life after getting a, a marketing degree from University of New Orleans I got one um, of those baby marketing <laughs> um, I ended up being a home inspector um, I was done with desk jobs and really wanted to go out and put my hands on something and um, I was a home inspector for three years and really I guess it was towards the middle of that so second year was when we started offering radon tests and I didn't even know what radon was, just like the rest, you know, at least more than 50% of the world. They had no clue what radon was, but I started seeing that, you know, at least 50%. So we right now we're at about three three out of five homes in central Kentucky will come back high for radon. That's incredible. Um, you know, at a, at a four picocuries per liter or higher. Uh, so I, I realized that, and then... At, like like you have like you have a list of contractors that you'll refer to your clients as a home inspector we had our list too so we kept referring we had three different uh, radon mitigation companies and I started getting complaints from from the agents or from the client and they'd be like hey this guy didn't show up this guy won't answer his phone uh, seems to be a trend with my contractor <laughs> folks right I, and I yeah I don't know what it was but I was like well I can answer the phone and I was intrigued by radon, started doing my research on it. And uh, I, I, I basically was like, you know, I'm inspecting these systems every other day anyways. And, and a lot of these properties, it doesn't look that difficult to install the system. Like I knew there was science behind it. When you have a contractor background, so right. it's not, not like you're going in completely blind. Right. So like, it's not like I've never operated a power tool. Um, so... I, I basically took the leap. I, w I was like, I already know so many realtors that, you know, I basically just have to tell them I'm doing it mm -hmm. and I can probably get some business going. So I went and got my licenses and 
really just hit the ground running. Um, and it, and it took about a year to really get to a point cause I was doing it part time for the first year. And I always recommend, it's funny because I always recommend against part time mitigators. Um, hey, such as life though. Right? Sometimes you got to take it in stride. <laughs> yeah. So it was almost, almost the fake it till you make it perspective because well, you faked it pretty damn good. Well, yeah. And again, it's, it's because of the things we were talking about before, you know, right off the bat, I was guaranteeing people and on those first like 10 to 20 mitigations with that guarantee in place and you know we were doing 35 (laughs) pico trees per later don't make me go back oh i hope i was right on this one um you know and even with the science behind it it's like you know sometimes it doesn't work it's a moving target yeah there's there's other avenues and that's really what what we've learned through this process is that there's always a contingency plan no matter what there is something else that can be done to mitigate that radon so um, or, or just something that we may have overlooked. So, um, yeah, just kind of hit the ground running. And, you know, now we have a team of four. And, um, yeah, and we, we just expanded into Cincinnati. So That's awesome, man. And, and how, how much time is that from the time you started Alpha till now? What's that, what's that lifespan looked like? We're going on our fourth year. Okay. So, so in four years, you're now covering basically two states. Right. I mean, southern Ohio, central Kentucky, anywhere in between. That's exactly right. Now, um, with respect to that growth, What's been the most challenging part for you as an owner operator in growing that? Uh, time. Time. I wish I had more time. <laughs> Just like any. any Just like human when being. our phones are ringing while we're sitting in here. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. It. I mean, time. You know, when when you're growing a business, time is of the essence, uh, and and really, it is the the commute's been tough. But at the same time, it, it's worth it because I know if we instilled the same the same product that we've sold here in, in Southern Ohio, um, it it should take off. Sure. So it's a much bigger market. So you know we're already doing installs up there. Um, the the speed to or I guess um, the speed at which we've gotten traction has already been much faster up there than it was than it was here. Uh, but really. You know, it, it, you've got to keep grinding. Well, and, and it's not to make light of all the hard-ass work y'all have had to do. <laughs> and I'll say this for anybody that's listening, thinking about doing something like what you've talked about. Like, it's simple, not easy, right? Like, it's simple to show up on time. It's simple to pick up the phone and call and say we've got a problem. It's simple to say I'm going to do what I said I was going to do. It's not always the easiest for some, but if you're thinking about like a trade or a business such as this, if you can do the simple things, you'll get all the business you want in the world. That's right. Like every person, like we do a lot of uh, remodel type work. We can make suggestions to our clients. I've done some GC stuff, but the biggest thing that I've noticed amongst the guys that constantly have stayed working with me is they show up, they're clean, they're respectful. They price stuff fair and they do what they said they were gonna do, and that like those things, those five things don't seem like you know. If I told my 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 three year old like these are the things you have to do, she'd be like, oh well, all right, right. The fact that, that she's three, she'll probably fight me on it. <laughs> but that's how simple it is. Would you agree with that? I would. I'd, I really would. Now you had to bust your ass. Like there's no knock about that. But it's similar for anybody who owns their own business. Sure. If, if you follow those principles. 
and you know the, the hard work piece is what cements the the foundation but building up off of it is those those are the pillars right it is, it is. and it, any type of business that you're running if if you know if you can be if you can show integrity show that you care um you know the client responds to that and and we get a lot of of raving fans when it comes to that just because they know that we do care well, um, and additionally i'll put the other feather in your cap for your knowledge piece of it you're a content expert like you have studied the matter that you're going to work in to the nth degree um correct me if i'm wrong but you do not have to be generally right anybody you do not have to be licensed to install or test for radon is that correct so in there's no state license state license yeah so there's a national license now do you have to have the national to do that supposed to supposed to yeah okay so that's that's, an important thing for people to ask though it is and and you know and that that's kind of a testament to like your client that knew that that test was set up wrong and that guy was not licensed to be doing tests Mm -hmm. like not saying i'm i'm knocking those guys because we actually get a lot of business because of that sure Um, um, just because they're running tests, but yeah, you are supposed to be nationally licensed. Um, do you see it coming down the pike that you'll have to get state licensed? Uh, potentially. So like Ohio, um, we had to jump through a lot of hoops. So they you, have, you had whole, to get an Ohio license. Yeah, so we okay. have to have a national license plus the Ohio license. Well, I know for like home inspecting, you have to have a license. So I, I mean, I'd only imagine it's a matter of time cause they kind of lump us appraisers and, and the inspectors all underneath one umbrella with respect to the, uh, Kentucky commission. So I'd imagine that's probably coming, but I, I think that that may weed out some people who don't want to do it right. Or who maybe can't do it the right way. Right. And it's, and it's not something that, um, that the consumer is really thinking about, you know, if they Google radon mitigation, if a company pops up, they talk to them on the phone, they sound legit. Yeah. You know, they're not going to think to ask them, Hey, are you nationally licensed? So, you know, and I don't, I don't knock anybody for that, but, um, you know, going through that national certification, you know, it teaches you a lot of what you need to know. It doesn't teach you everything. Like, they're not telling you, like, hey, this is where you put the pipe in the ground. Like, sure. That's something you kind of have to learn through through experience. But, um, yeah, I, I kind of hope that they do do that, like, like Ohio does, because they have a full regulatory board over radon, um, just because it will weed out some of our competition. Weeds it out, and also just raises the raises the bar for the expectation or the client experience, too. Absolutely. Uh, and also, I mean, I'm a huge CYA fan, right? If it can cover my ass, it can cover <laughs> your ass, I'm all about it. Sure. So, I think in that regard, if you can CYA to, to make sure there's you know, God forbid somebody did get sick, right? right? I mean, that's that's probably what drives you most is making sure it's going to be a safe house for that person to move into. That's exactly right. So, uh, you know, it, it is serious, and I could definitely see a case where they should require require that. So that's interesting. So you've grown it um, like a weed. What is probably the biggest motivator for you? Like, what keeps you motivated as a business owner? Um. That's a good question. That's kind of deep. I think about a lot of stuff as a business. Well, you got people working for you. Well, really, the biggest thing is keeping food on the plates of my employees. Um, You know, that's that's always with with respect to my employees. I'm I'm more worried about them having work than I am about paying my paycheck Mm -hmm. because I know 
as we grow this company because we're not we won't stop in just Cincinnati. Um, that that hasn't been my plan since the beginning. Um, you know, if we can if we can deliver this again the same product and and continue to stretch um, you know our our reach, I know that I'll be taken care of. I'm not worried about that. Um, it, it's more so making sure that the quality of life and and that you know from from a paycheck standpoint that that my employees are happy because if they're happy they take care of me mm-hmm. um, and, and they take and care of your versa. customers exactly. So and and I'm really lucky um, with with the employees that I have because um, I get a lot of rave reviews about my employees and and it it makes me proud. So. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Then what's that book? Leaders eat last. Is that's that, right. Is that right? I mean, that's I I I feel that. I mean, I, I think that's I think that's what separates um, uh, people like yourself from people who in and out of different genres or you know fields or whatever the case may be. Like the people who will stay around for the while and scale are paying attention to what am I doing to help my people get what they want, right? And also create more opportunities for them. So I, I love that that's uh, a driving force for you because it shows up, right? Uh, and, and you've let's, you talked about time, right? Time's the biggest hurdle. You have leveraged some of your time. Hell, I called your number, the, the, the number I used to call you on all the time. And I, I well, I think I sent a text like, what's up, dog? And, uh, <laughs> And, uh, and, and, uh, pardon me, I'm, I'm blanking on Kayla. Her. Kayla, Kayla yeah. called me and she was like, Hey, I just want to let you know, Mike doesn't have this phone anymore. <laughs> I was like, Oh, okay. Well, Hey Kayla, sorry to say what's up dog to you. But, uh, that's all like, that's something that, you know, you, I think when we were talking, especially with the expansion, you're actively in the field, uh, on day to day basis, doing installs, meeting customers, doing the quotes and things of that nature. So it's kind of not as conducive for you to be rolling around in that crawl, trying to schedule the next one, right? Exactly, and that's that's why we ended up having to hire Kayla because it got to the point to where uh, you know I'm blessed because of this to have my phone ringing that much, that much, but it got to the point to where I couldn't finish an install and in, in a timely manner because I'd have to stop yeah. and have a 30 minute conversation. Slowly with eroding your return on your time, right? Exactly. So so she's been a blessing. Um, and she's doing a great job for us and, and really filling my shoes very well. Um, and that, you know, from that standpoint, but it's, um, I, I am in the field all the time. I'm still doing installs and it's, it's how we've grown the business. So, you know, even in Cincinnati, like I'm doing those installs right now Okay. and here shortly and we're really close it'll probably be in january where we'll hire somebody for so i was gonna ask what's the next hire look like yeah it'll be somebody for cincinnati or for northern kentucky uh, on the install side on the install side and uh, once we have established enough of a market there where i can make sure that that employee has a good paycheck um, and and can grow from that point you know that's that's where uh, again i'll step back and take a you know, a 30,000, you know, 30,000 foot look at my company okay. and where, where I can grow it and where I can make it better for my employees. So what type of person would you be looking for in that? Uh, somebody that potentially has some type of trade work. Um, somebody that has worked with tools before done, doesn't necessarily have to have done it. Um, definitely needs to be a spark plug. Uh, somebody that, that is a go-getter, self-motivated, 
type person because we're going to be handing the reins to all of Ohio to that person, um, which is a massive, massive market when it comes to radon. So um, if there's somebody out there that that would like to make this a career and and really grow it to to a standpoint to where they're managing the state of Ohio, not just Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of person we're looking for. Remind me after the show, let's talk about that because uh, I've got a friend that's got a pretty heavy presence in Cincinnati. Awesome. Uh, and they may have, uh, they actually own a Keller Williams office up there and they may actually have relationships with another you know, group of subs or a particular person who might be a candidate. So just to remind me when we get done. Sure. I don't want to. I don't want to get you too far down in the in the hiring weeds. But we are happy to 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 uh, solicit the uh, the need for a skilled player because uh, it's only gonna make you guys better. Sure. Um. So so we talked about time's the biggest challenge. Um. Taking care of our people is the biggest driver, and you're looking at growing. I mean, what what's next for you guys? You feel like obviously we want to get that person placed in Ohio. Have you have you set your sights on where you want to go to next? Uh, so really, really by by travel time, just because you kind of with with the organization that we've created, we've created a support system. So like even my guy that's installing, if he runs into something, he knows that no matter what. Like even if I'm in Somerset. I'm an hour away so I can get to him and and help him with whatever that he needs he's he's doing a phenomenal job where he does not need my help very often unless it's something really crazy um, that he runs into but um, the the perfect storm would be if we could hit Dayton next okay so I did it when I started this company I looked at the EPA map and then I looked at a population map for the United States and and really surrounding where we were at here and I, there are 31 cities in the United States that are either equal to the population of Lexington or Central Kentucky or larger that are also tier one cities for radon. Okay. So those are the cities that Captive I have. Captive audience, exactly. so to speak. So, so the next city would actually be Dayton, which okay. is actually about the same size as Lexington. Um, but when you're in Cincinnati, you're only about an hour away from that. And then from there, hopefully Columbus. Um, so kind of just going, going up I-75 and then um, really outward from there. Nice. So, that's awesome, man. Well, I know I personally am looking forward to watching that and and continuing our working relationship. So, on the uh, on the subject of getting in contact with you all, how do you prefer clients find you guys? Um, so or people who are even interested in maybe just learning about it. Sure. How do we get in touch? Um, you can call us um, 859-368-3580. Um, Kayla will answer and she'll love to answer any questions that you have. And if it's a really, really loaded question about radon, I might answer it. <laughs> um, and I'm happy to do so. I'm happy to educate anybody that has questions. And then uh, beyond that, you can go to alpha-radon.com. And there's a lot of a lot of helpful information on there as well if you have questions about radon. Fantastic. Um, and then for the agents out there, there's actually quick quote forms. So if you go to contact us, there's a drop down box and there's Kentucky quote and Ohio quote. Uh, and the difference is really just pricing. But if you go to Kentucky quote, like if you're if you're walking through a house and your client's like, well, what if it has radon? How much is it going to cost? And I know there's a ballpark answer that, that every agent's going to give, but this will actually fine-tune it. So it's like, is there a sump pump? 
how old is the house? Um, what are the radon levels? So at, at that point, you'd probably have to guesstimate, you know, what you think it would probably come back at sure. if you're the agent because you haven't done the test yet. But it'll actually kick you out a, a quote at the end. As long as it's not a crawl space, it'll kick you out a quote. Um, and you can tell the client, like, well, I've worked with these guys, and they're going to be pretty darn close to what this price is right here. And that's important because I think for realtors that are listening, we all understand that gap in the had my inspection or getting ready for inspections, and now I have to negotiate, but I don't know what the price is. That can at least give you a roundabout ballpark figure to figure out what the negotiation strategy might look like for you. Exactly. That's fantastic, man. That's a great offering. So alpha-radon dot com and then we'll post the phone number as well in the comments in the in the description section for the episode but man i've enjoyed this this is this Thank is you fun for having me. i uh I, I love being able to uh to to better myself learn more but also getting to hang out with good people's uh, always always a good time and i got me a new lid so i'm excited <laughs> about that awesome brother i appreciate yeah, it yeah thank you thank you guys for listening Thank you for listening to today's episode. Make sure you like, follow, and subscribe. If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to leave us a review wherever you're listening to the podcast. And for all of your real estate needs, please contact the Catalyst Group at 859-363-6001 or visit us online at catalystsold.com.